podcast where we travel back in time 25 years to visit an album and a movie from 25 years ago my name is casey lyons i'm looking at dan gorman what's a goddamn score babe oh the score is zero flatlined ah you flatlined you bottomed out score uh, uh, we we would look over at Greg, but he's not here. No, he's not Could here. Not make yeah, it. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, that, <laughs> is that, your, is that your Greg impression? It's bang on. <laughs> yeah, we're the cackle twins, so I'm I'm gonna have to play both roles today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. All right, well, since you guys are already uh, fucking yammering on, uh, I might as well introduce our guests. For the sorry, and I might as well not break everything on my desk. Uh, I might as well introduce our guests. I am looking at Rob Johannes. What's the score, babe? Score is 11-11. Tied <laughs> <laughs> game. I think that's good yeah. luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also looking at Ryan Stevenson-Price. What is the score, babe? I think I'm going to agree with this 11-11 score. Ah. Deadlock. Now, Deadlock. it sounds to me like there's a, uh, a theme there. Uh, why don't you explain <laughs> what that means? Uh, well, for the past two years, Rob and I have been working on uh, what I'm going to refer to as a music video on steroids, or I guess we should call it a music video on crack, I guess, since we're yeah. in Toronto and we have such an infamous <laughs> yeah, right. past mayor. Right. Um, Plus, we're all high on crack right now. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're in, we're in a dark basement, so yeah. I mean, I yeah, think it's fitting. Not? Yeah, sure. I'm on meth. I don't know about you guys. Oh, <laughs> dude, you're killing my vibe. <laughs> I, need a, I need a good, no, a no, sweet maybe, crack maybe, vibe. Maybe you just need to catch up to me. Oh, okay. Can you do? But can you do meth on top of crack? I don't really. I don't know <laughs> oh, how those combine. Yeah. That's called a crack tail, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, this sounds like a science experiment. <laughs> this I have like, a hypothesis. Bring up the lab. This sounds like something you know a great deal about, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Worries me. Many no, years speak. Of working in social services. Uh, speak more. Speak more on this eleven uh, eleven. I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, well, basically, it's a music video that turned into a film. Yes. Um, and it was supposed to be 16 minutes long as a visual accompaniment for Rob's band Paint. And I hang out with the band Paint. Yes. That's what singers do. You hang out, you <laughs> write the songs, and you sing them. No, no, I just hang out with the, with the musicians and make them. Oh, with the real musicians. They make me look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's the role of a singer, right? Put on the leather pants and. Yeah, the singer and the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know, I think the drummer's got the hardest job, but uh, yeah, we had this four-song EP that we were going to work on and um, have a visual accompaniment. Uh, we had this very minimalist script, and then it was going to be this black and white thing, and then Ryan introduced all this weird David Lynchian, Cronenberg uh, uh, kind of creepiness to it, and it just took on a life of its own, and we were like, okay, well, let's just have this be like a Who Quadrophenia thing, where the band sort of appears incidentally and is just part of the film, yeah. and the music is more supporting of the film rather than the other way around, and it worked out a lot better, so now it's a one-hour-long film uh, with a soundtrack and soundscapes and everything, and uh, it's creepy. It's really sounds, twisted, uh, it's sounds twisted pretty, and creepy. It's really fun. Sounds pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> uh, is there any full frontal? 
Uh, just just to warn <laughs> there the is listeners. not. There is not. There's no full frontal. There, there is not. No. Okay, so you're not going to see Rob's wang here in, he this, in this thing. All right. Damn it. Not in this project. All right. <laughs> still, audience, still, still see it because yeah. there's probably other <laughs> attributes, well, but you, you're not going to see Johanna's wang. You guys are seeing my wang right now, so I feel yeah. that's enough. that's I why I ask. <laughs> I can't look away. I, I mean, always podcast in the nude. I yeah. walked through the door and just dropped yeah. it. <laughs> I heard. I heard. That's that was the accepted. I have arrived. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hath a ribbon. Mm-hmm. So you and guys are you're releasing it theatrically? Kind, you're doing like a screening, right? But also a concert, or yeah, it's well, it's a it's released as a DVD, and then you can get like the EP soundtrack to go with it. Yeah, but we are gonna do it as a like a theatrical release at some point this summer. Sweet, but uh, the the DVD is out, you know, just in the next week. All right, awesome. Yeah. So we're kind of doing the reverse. We're doing the DVD first, and then the, the why not? After yeah, that right. because you know. Well, we've actually just done this in the reverse because generally we do the plugs afterwards. But uh, I find what you guys are doing to be uh, uh, extremely fascinating, totally. so I want to get into it. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of getting into things, oh my god, fuck, who's taking over as king of the segways now? Over here, it's me. Are we going back in time now? Uh, yes. This is this is exciting. This is the entire reason I came. Yeah, tuck it between your legs, Johannes, because we're going back in time. Before uh, I had one. <laughs> There's a lot I don't know about your past. Um, all right, so the time the time machine that uh, that our beautiful friend Dan Gorman has uh, has chosen for today is uh, wait a non-return key. Yeah, it's a time dude. Machine. You got to you got to explain. Okay, this it's a time machine and it features a non-return key which we have installed to keep our machine at our destination 1990 waiting for us. And it also has a vaporizing equalizer which keeps us and the machine on equal terms. Uh, you can see this time machine in time after time. <laughs> All right, seventies on equal terms. Yes, so we respect each we other. Respect the time machine and the time, the time machine, machine respects, respects us. us. Okay, good, dude. That, that's f- great because it means that it's not going to rise up and take over. Oh the world. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we rise. follow. Is it uh, Asimov's law? Yeah. Yes, the yeah. laws of robotics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> All right, everybody, shut the fuck up and get in. <laughs> All right, we have arrived, and uh, yeah, the time machine didn't kill us, so still on equal terms. That's exciting. Yeah. All right, and we've uh, we've arrived in 1990 on August 10th, my sister's birthday. Point of interest for everyone involved. That's also Prison Justice Day as well. I'm sorry. What is that? When snitches get shanked? No, No, it's it's when it's when people uh, who have died um, uh, wrongfully, uh, sort of in custody in in prisons, uh, are remembered, and everyone that's involved in their advocacy and their families fast for the day. I've been doing that for about 20 years now. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That is insanely fascinating. Yeah. How, wait, where thing. do you f- find out about something like that? I, I've oh, you're a social worker. Been guy. around the, the 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 prison system for a very long time. That's right. What, that's what punk rock musicians who start touring when they're twelve do. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my hometown. I wore a jean jacket and it was scandalous. <laughs> but it was uh, it was pretty white bread. Did your sister go and see Flatliners? Uh, on her birthday? What? She, well, I'll tell you what she could have seen. <laughs> that's an exciting birthday right there. I know. She could have she could have gone and seen Air America. Mel Robert Gibson. Downey Jr. and uh, Sweet Mel Gibson. That <laughs> sounds like the height of his his drug use. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, yeah. He yeah. was like, Air America with Mel Gibson. I'm in. <laughs> They're like, we already shot it. You blacked out the whole time. You're on drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were great, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. We could have seen the two Jakes. Chinatown which, 2. I haven't yeah, seen that which in ages. It, it's, uh, I, I remember it being insanely disappointing. I've never seen yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really loved Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And the two Jakes... 
I can't even remember the story that I, I, I heard about this. It, I, it's sort of a separate story yeah. where where Nicholson Nicholson directed it himself. Yes. Um, it, it's it's sort of a, a the Man, continuing geez. adventures of Jake Gitz yeah. kind of thing. Um, uh, we could have seen Mo Better Blues, which is actually one of the oh. Spike Lee movies I haven't seen. Me too. So maybe that would that. Uh, tear down my case against him being a terrible filmmaker. I don't know. Oh, do the right thing, though. Do the right thing. Okay, do the right thing. She's got to have it. He does have a couple of... of. Uh, I-, I keep hearing the inside... Is it the inside man? Inside job? I don't know. I don't know. It's 1990. That movie doesn't exist yet. <laughs> but instead of all those movies, like Dan suggests, <laughs> we saw Flatliners. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> how how wonderful that was. Yeah. yeah. Flatliners... The uh, 1990, obviously, American sci-fi horror thriller film directed by perhaps one of my least favorite directors, speaking of things I hate. (laughs) Today on Twitter, uh, a listener to the show, Matt Brown, made some sort of passing comment about how I'm the guy who hates everything. (laughs) This episode is not not going to dispute that fact because I'm not a Joel Schumacher fan. I can be. I will give him falling Falling down. down. I everybody won't. see everybody does yeah, that, but it's a clunky movie. I liked falling down though. Like you literally watch Michael Douglas fall apart. Look, Michael Douglas's performance in that is great, but the pacing of that movie, it's very clunky. He's very style over substance. Like the camera oh, I'll work, agree with that. Uh yeah. Like the camera work in this movie is very um grandiose and very uh there's like everything is sort of like starting on a crane and then yeah. zooming right in and yes. and yeah, but that's everybody that's awesome. sleeps in these. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, it's we'll like, actually get into to my yeah, my feelings on Schumacher in a bit. Uh, all right, so this movie stars Kiefer Sutherland. Yep. Uh, Julia Roberts. Check. We got Kevin Bacon. Totally. <laughs> Speaking of falling down, this is where the cast falls down a little bit. We got William Baldwin. Uh, oh, yeah. Not the best Baldwin. We got a lesser Baldwin. That's, that's yeah. the slutty Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially in this movie. <laughs> and then we got Oliver Platt, who is, Flap. for my money, one of the better actors going today. Whose haircut was the only one of all theirs that still looked like it could be, exist today and be modern? See, I think it looks go- it looked good on him. It mm. looked weird on Bacon. They both <laughs> sort of had the Kevin same Bacon thing. Bacon had a Bon Jovi thing going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think his hair is a little too Didn't he actually put on cowboy boots at one point, too? He did. Yeah, he was putting on cowboy boots. It was subtle. Yeah. You, you kept, yeah, if you blink, <laughs> you would have missed the, that part. They were the one subtlest of, yeah. of cowboy boots. <laughs> I, I do feel like Kevin Bacon's mullet in this movie was like the sixth cast member, though. Yeah. It's... it's Present, yeah. And Kevin, Bacon, Kevin Bacon's mullet as John Jovi, yeah. the top of if Kevin Bacon. If head. you've never seen Flatliners, the logline of it for the listeners is basically a bunch of students decide. Well, one of the, of this group of students decide that he's going to go and induce uh, Flatline so that he's basically dead, so they can see if there is an afterlife or not. And all of his friends get wrapped up in kind of this one-upping game where they're going to see who can flatline the longest and and they turn turns out that their sins from their past come back to haunt them when they return to the living world yeah which is kind of a fucking sweet idea for it's a super sweet idea (laughs) and i look okay so so this is for 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 me this is the big reveal is i thought this was going to be i picked this movie because i was like because generally we try to do ridiculous or dumb (laughs) or shitty movies and i thought oh schumacher this is going to be and and the plot and everything and the cast and everything this is going to be fucking terrible seen it before i had seen it before and i liked it when when i i saw it in 1990 i was a kid had we all seen it before 
I forgot if I had seen it or not, so it was kind of like watching it for the first time. I'm pretty sure that I saw it as one of those Sunday afternoon <laughs> television yeah. specials that was <laughs> just a hatchet job by TBS. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like yeah. That's maybe 97, 98. Because um, I mentioned it to my father the other day, and he's like, we've seen that. Haven't we yeah. seen that? It's the one with like Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, we probably, yeah, watching the Super I definitely <laughs> saw it. I don't know if I saw it in this format. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely saw it at some point in the 90s. It's yeah. definitely aptly titled because the plot basically just flatlines. <laughs> well, it's, see, that's like, the thing about no this movie. And valleys in it. It it's just, not, it it's not as much went. a plot as it is a concept that happens for two hours but see the thing with that concept though and i was saying this the whole time we're watching it i'm just like did they not have a technical advisor at all on this thing because if you've ever taken a basic cpr course you know yeah you know that when the first of all they're doing cpr completely wrong the heart is fluttering if it's flatlining you're dead that's it it's over you're not coming back again Right. What the fuck? Yeah, and yeah. you can't and you can't bring somebody back with just those like uh, with uh, defibrillator? defibrillators. Like, um, like okay, hold on. Once you're that far, you're not like going. Yeah, bringing someone and, back. And, yeah, no. And if you've had brain death, you're yeah. gonna have irreparable brain damage. You're not gonna be able to speak again. You're gonna have you know two yeah. face and, and well, okay. We're talking about Joel Schumacher here, and he he's the man who basically who effectively killed the Batman franchise. the Batman franchise. Yeah. Uh, but by, he also by, made like, DC Cab. Uh, <laughs> he did make DC Cab. Was that a point for or against? Um, but he, but he famously on um, like people who have worked on on those those Batman movies with him have said like he, he would just randomly come up with these ridiculous ideas and shit. Yeah. People would be like like the like the the Batman. Visa or credit, credit card, card or whatever, yeah, which was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and he would come up with these things, and and you know, like Never he, he would have um, ad, like DC advisors who'd be like, "That's not actually something that uh, you know you should or possibly can do with Batman," and he would just be like, "Fuck off, I'm doing it." <laughs> so this man has listen, and in that respect. I, I, I kind of dig him in that he's like, I have this vision. Yeah. I do not care about reality. Don't care about facts. I don't care about medicine. I'm making a medical drama here. I but how much is that him and how much is it the writer? Because I, I don't care because he didn't write. I, it. I think that this movie is a great concept, and I think for a while it coasts on its watchability for being just like a sweeping, empty '90s kind of like mm-hmm. this is. I'm, I could sit down and watch the first half an hour and be like, okay. This is fun. It's stupid. Like right. it's serving its purpose. But then, but then you're right. Like it. Like we have to have all these scenes of every character going flatline. Yeah. And we have to have like the same thing over and over. And then the things. Yeah. It's just kind of like okay, you had me, but now the pretty pictures aren't enough. Yeah. I have to say my ex- expectations were low because it is Schumacher, and I was. I'm not going to say I was entertained for the entire two hours. This movie did not need to be two hours. <laughs> no, it was way You could have cut out you one of the... Like, you've got... Like, like Dan Gorman, you mentioned before we started, you got two characters who have basically the same arc. They yes. were They were dicks yeah. when they were kids, mm-hmm. uh, except one of them gets to... Uh, Sleep to, with Julia Roberts. Uh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, one of them gets to apologize and absolve himself, and the other one... D- well, yeah. does, but doesn't. Okay, so... Let's let's do this. So let's talk about the characters in this movie. So we have Kevin Bacon opens the, the movie with one of the most ridiculous uh, med- like like operating scenes ever to the point where I thought <laughs> that that scene was a dream. 
Well, like, and, and what was this hospital that exactly. they were in? Was this the asylum from the second season of American Horror Story? <laughs> yeah. like, like, you would never it's, see a hospital with lighting that was absent like that yeah. because yeah. that would be in and of itself. It's like a, a dark right. like castle and he's like operating on someone and then and it's so frantic and everyone's yelling and I was like, okay, he's going to wake up and be like, oh, I saved someone in my dream last night. But yeah. then it's like, no, that's just real. Once, but once again, that's that's either the Schumacher. the magic of Schumacher yeah. or the downfall of Schumacher but that he doesn't of, care it he of, wants it to look atmospheric and, and dare I say beautiful and every once in a while oh man this, this movie, movie does pretty look great. pretty beautiful the, the, the shot where Julia Roberts was hugging her dad in the bathroom and the camera's mm-hmm. going around that was very like 70s looking like that actually looked the, really the gradual cool. fade in the color the treatment whole to make it yeah. and not only that like that was cool. if, if you notice the way the set was built the set was built to expand yeah that so was the cool. wall the walls are actually expanding while the and now I don't know if that's in order to facilitate the camera spinning around them or not oh but, I, see, I didn't realize that the set was built that way, yeah. I just I just assumed that they did that with a focus pole. Uh, no, no, no. Was it was actually the, I just happened to accidentally be looking at the wall in that scene, and you see both walls are sliding. Yeah, and then they have the wall behind it like the same color, so it do, you, it's hard to tell. Yeah, That's kind now, of neat. Okay. now it's it, actually really cool. It, it it's quite cool, and and it, it had me. It kind of took me out of out of the scene because I was like, is that supposed to be you know because it's all small and claustrophobic when she finally yeah, comes upon her father? And but the red light comes on, and you know that shit's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, and then right. it goes off again. It's like there, there was no suspense there. Oh no! Red no. light. Oh no! No, yeah. no this and movie trips go over down. itself a lot. <laughs> yeah. The the basic premise, though, as I, I was sitting here saying this to Ryan, I was like, they're pulling out repressed memories, which they could have easily done with like two sessions with the psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah. And they all need to risk killing themselves to, to dig that deep into. The in, yeah. yeah. Okay. In, in, in 1990. Absolutely. Yes. So yeah, I was a little disappointed that it didn't get darker in the back end of the movie, though. Like I was half expecting Keeper's character spree, to go crazy and yeah. start killing the others, no. or like 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 Oliver Platt never goes under. Uh, and no, yeah. I was expecting him to forcibly shove Oliver Platt on the table Platt and force him to die. Because yeah, he wasn't right. Joining the crew. Yeah. No, see, now that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have seen yeah. that. Yeah, and so, that's that's not something this movie Kevin does Bacon, all the time. Kevin Bacon's character goes under and witnesses uh, a young girl berating him, and we find out that it was a... Which is a fucking hilarious scene. Yeah. That oh, looks- she called him... What was the name that she called him? Something about it's like ass. burger breath and uh, like yeah like uh, like ass like ass fart and fart tits and fucking shitty head. The last and... one was a good one. And we sort of we sort of had a little cackle at it. We were like, it's something something son of a bitch. That was the last thing that she. But she calls him a turd merchant at some point, <laughs> yeah. which I'm like, what? Well, I, I don't under like is that somebody who <laughs> buys and sells uh, turds? Literally, yes. literally, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. I didn't even know well, that was a thing. In the latest and Game also, of Thrones, they talk about cock merchants, so I'm thinking turd merchants must be a thing. <laughs> I feel like maybe a less popular thing. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think people generally like cock more than they like turds. There is a trend right now with um, with rich people buying uh, pieces of art constructed out of feces, though. So didn't Gilbert uh, and George do that already, though? Hey, let's our let's just fall as a society already. <laughs> Can we please? I think it's over. Yeah, so he he goes under and and, and starts seeing like uh, someone he bullied like fighting back at him from like his memory and then right. and then uh Kiefer Sutherland, the first person to go under who decides to do it, goes under and starts seeing 
Uh, I actually think that his was the best handled in terms of visually, because Ke- mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland goes under, and there's this big sweeping shot of like uh, like flower, like fields and stuff, right? And it looks so good, and yeah. then it slowly transforms into something kind of dark and gothic, and you're like, but also oh, it's, cool. it's it becomes really he- like looking too, it though. becomes heavily stylized yeah. and almost like a Sam Raimi kind of way because it's like like kids, where you it's, think it's like childhood and fun in a field, and then it becomes scary, and you're like, that was effective, right. at least visually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like, again, there are some shots in this thing that if are you like. Just look at this nice. movie for two hours. You're like, hey, pretty good movie. But then when you actually watch it. <laughs> but I think that that's what you're meant to do. I, I don't think you're meant to watch this as a movie. It's, you're just meant to look at it. For I don't know. Two hours. They, they worked in so much symbolism around like oh, every second shot's like religion, 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 religion. Yeah. And, yeah. and Kevin Bacon's like, fuck you, God. Is this what you want? And he's pointing yeah. up at the sky. And yeah, because like, he's the atheist. <laughs> he's the atheist. Yes. He's and, such a ham. He comes around. Atheist. That's when Kiefer comes back to life so they're they're, they're suddenly yeah. throwing that in there there's all these crosses in the yeah. background and, and William through. Baldwin is like the sex guy and he's like he's walking the whore, into the his yeah and he's like walking <laughs> down the street and there's all these art coming by with like like penises and like sexual things yeah. and like kind of gothic sex things and you're like okay this is so fucking I remember pointing <laughs> that out to Rob I remember pointing that out to Rob and when, when he first went under um, when he died and he was having his erotic experience and Rob turns to me and he's like this is kind of gay and I'm like you know Joel Schumacher's gay right he's, he's extremely like, and, and, and Rob was like I didn't know that and oh like, seriously yeah sense There's, yeah. like that's kind of like a uh, the the Hollywood thi- like he's like the quintessential Hollywood like he makes everybody suck him off if they want to be in his movies kind of thing this, this is the man who put nipples on the bat suit man. yeah that is true. That it's is true. like oh, he did the one with the close-ups of the cock pieces. Yeah, too, right? yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so he like I think that he he tries to not because he's gay, like not because of his sexuality, but because he's I think just an inherently sexual director. I agree. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. I think he tries he, to sort of like shoehorn that shoehorn. Maybe hey, you got a shoehorn or something. Shoemaker <laughs> horn. <laughs> um, and the whole yeah, the William Baldwin <laughs> thing is like he is cheating on his fiance and like filming all these. How women. are you gonna? cheat on Hope Davis. He's like she the, is the most adorable. motherfucker ever. I think she was the most attractive of the ladies that he hooked oh, up absolutely. with too. She's the most attractive woman in the movie. Which is the irony. But I've, uh, I've like ever since American Splendor I've had like such a thing for her. Yeah so like William Baldwin has to like he gets he goes under and he just has a dream where he's like a baby and there's like women and he's being breast like fed and stuff and it's just like Yeah there's no mommy I, issues like, going on there. Did, <laughs> did he need to go under just to like learn that like he was a baby once and women like like doted over him and now he's like a sleaze bag. like it's just like his seems Again. like the least and it's 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 so textbook like it, it, it's anywhere. so it's yeah. such a like like <laughs> like 101 kind of a kind of a, oh this is why he's got like it, it's like he has no idea what makes heterosexual men heterosexual did you did you guys pick up on a subtext in that in that yes. Baldwin thing when he went under because like I got this weird vibe like it was supposed to be showing that maybe his mother was a stripper and he grew up in a strip club and these were the women that he grew up around oh so that was all and the so fam- he, have and the- so he was used to seeing women portrayed as this sexual item to be gazed upon and that's now why he films his sexual exploits ah yeah. and I, I was really hoping meta. it would delve into that and then it's it never meta. did they kind of turned him into this, this again, side character that, that they just threw away at the end yeah, yeah. right that would have been which is I think what you do with William Baldwin but uh, I, di- I actually didn't see that so maybe in another 20 years when I go back to watch this yeah. movie <laughs> or in the inevitable remake because now they're remaking Point Break so oh god yeah. we're in that era now that's such a bummer <laughs> actually yeah oh dude somebody needs to remake 
Flatliners. I was thinking that when we were watching. I was like, this movie needs to be remade. We like, were take who they would cast. Take is... the style. Take the like ideas. Actually, go into like some like kind of cool ideas. Well, it's gonna go darker. Yeah. But the sad thing is, if they did remake this, they would remake it with. You know, all a bunch of fucking Disney kids who are trying to shed that W or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would really just be the 2015 version of what this was in 2090, which is even more vapid than I this. I think you movie. could kind of go like for a uh, like a Final Destination butterfly effectishness <laughs> yeah. to it, and it could actually come off really well. But it would uh, need yeah. the right person running yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that that person. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I do think if they <laughs> would were... do a Flatliners, uh, <laughs> if they did it in 2005, know. they would have cast Ashton Kutcher yes. in the William yeah. Baldwin role. <laughs> Which is so gross. I feel like like if he they horse. were to make a remake of this, I kind of like it's so easy to make fun of it like the okay, they're in like a weird like like the art school's the most gothic thing ever. Gothic. But I do kinda like that they tried to make it gothic. Like it's super silly, but I'm like kinda down for it to be that like like super stylized weird like like when they're doing their flatline stuff like the roof is fucking like leaking on shit oh like why are you even doing this here do where's the, the power yeah, coming from yeah. what, what is what is this museum up. that they're yeah. it's under reno that they're doing all the flatline yeah it's it, it, it's amazing and again but it's another one of those at. things that that you can just you can almost hear joel, joel schumacher somebody asking him why they're doing that and him going Fuck you, because I'm Schumacher. And then Jan DeBont, the cinematographer, just yeah. being like, I'm going to make this look like a trillion dollars. Yeah, and, and Jan DeBont is fucking so there on a, oh, just so just atop a pile of coke, going, everything is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a beautiful So man. we're going to work in a military truck, and then for one scene in the beginning, for no reason, Kevin Bacon's going to use a pulley system and jump out of his window. That was like one of the rebel. most nice. Or, and, and he was no wearing, reason. He was wearing yeah. a rappelling harness. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually wearing one, and then later on in the movie, I realized this is actually the dormitories for for the university. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, because he got well, because he got kicked out. Um, does he escape from his own window that often? Why does he the, have to? They rope? kicked him out. They want him to leave the building. It's, he doesn't have to go out the window. It's, yeah, what? it's one of those things. Like this movie is a. And a restricted films rated R, but they are so that was R. What? It's rated R, and they are so playing on like the younger crowd. Like that pulley thing is such a like a dumb thing in a movie like this that like he's a like thirteen year old is going to be like I want to leave my room through the fucking <laughs> yeah. window right like I want a rope to climb down. That's what cool guys like Kevin Bacon and yet when do. Kiefer is going <laughs> to off himself in the end and it's an emergency, Kevin Bacon doesn't use the pulley system, which could have got him down faster than the stairs would have. <laughs> yeah, right, true. Yeah, backwards. <laughs> uh, and, and also, yeah, they. Um, there's a power surge uh, at the end, yes. which is why they might, why Kiefer Sutherland might not make it. And fucking spoiler alert, he does make it, which is a total bummer. Yeah. He f- full on should have come up for him. He was yeah. down for 14 minutes. Again, yeah. if you had a technical advisor that knew anything about medicine, after 10 minutes, yeah. it's over. Right. The body can only exist for 10 minutes. That could, that could have just been stopped. fixed by nudging the dialogue. Uh, Change the number of minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they could, they could have. But again... Die. I, I don't Lucky think anybody was. I don't think anybody was. I don't think they had a fact checker. No, we, we checked thing. the credits afterwards. They didn't we didn't, have we didn't, didn't see have anything. One. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, really? You you actually looked. We, for we sat through the credits because we wanted to know, and like, the credits are actually really really short. I was yeah. really surprised. That was as like a skeleton. And all the names were from. Joel Schumacher. Again, they had a pile of cocaine. They were like, each of us can be three people if we do all this cocaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can do the jobs of three men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. we, Kiefer Sutherland played Julia Roberts. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Well, Julia Roberts, we haven't talked about her oh, flatline arc. 
which I think is the only one in the movie that even has a semblance of working because at the beginning of the movie, we see Julia Roberts asking people who have died and witnessed mm. whatever happens. That's true. And we don't know why. And then throughout the film, she goes under and you see something with her dad where something happens. Mm. And the more the film goes on, it reveals that her dad came home from the war, uh, got hooked on drugs and ended up killing himself. And she witnessed it. And then she has to kind of like have this kind of like redemption scene, like we mentioned. It's the only one that is like, okay, here's where she started. This is like her path. And then here at the end of the movie is where she arrives. Yeah, I thought like, she had a great arc. I thought plausible. it was good. Like that happened to so many people that came yeah. home from Vietnam. It's the only say, one that because the other two, okay, uh, the, I bullied somebody and he died because I hit him out of a tree. I bullied somebody and, and made her sad and I need to go say I'm sorry. And like, I'm a he-whore. They're both the same, like, except for the one, the guy, the kid <laughs> died. But it's like, couldn't you have thought of more than one thing to make these yeah. two guys do? Yeah, like, yeah, like, like everybody's haunted by by was, something, and and sure, it's it's possible that two of those people could be haunted by the same thing. But don't put them both in the same fucking movie. I think they were trying to do kind of a mirror thing, totally, there, because like they both have similar backstories and they're both pursuing Julia Roberts, right? And I think that's what they were trying to do. But it, oh, I don't I'm think quite it was sure. And enough. also, I mean, the the one sort of facilitates the other, like it, it, completely functionally. They had to show that you could absolve yourself somehow. Mm-hmm. So one of them had to absolve himself for that very thing by simply going and apologizing, which he does. Like it's just assumed then that he's absolved. Of, of this whole thing because yeah, his says, character becomes yeah. very boring after that. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's yeah, right. Yeah. So so I think I think it was to facilitate the oh, okay, well you can do this, but that which makes the reveal that he can't simply do that because the kid is dead. Which yeah. by the way, great reveal. Everybody saw that shit coming from a mile away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so each time let's slowly throw show them throwing rocks up at the tree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's gonna fall off. What is gonna happen here? And again, it's Schumacher. You think the kid's not gonna die? There's more kid's of a reveal die. with the dog, because Kiefer Sutherland is throwing rocks at a kid in the tree and there's there's a dog there, and, and then he sees after he gets out a dog crawling around. You're like, why is that dog? And then at the end of the movie, they reveal the tree fell on the dog. And you're yeah. like, yeah, there's a reveal. Yeah, that was that was much more of a reveal. <laughs> and, that, and that's some badass dog training I was seeing. Oh, totally. Like, as a dog owner Good myself, dog I'm happened. like, wow, the fact that the dog could like drag its hind legs like that and move forward, that's pretty impressive. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's another example of, uh, of good dog acting. Yeah. Much like... Uh, the dog and the thing, which I always go back to as the greatest dog acting of all time. Pretty good. Oh, boy. Yeah, what it's a fucking just, nightmare. So, okay. So, we established all of them. I, I feel like we jumped around a bit, but Oh, whatever. yeah. We're definitely jumping around so in time. So, Kiefer Sutherland was the like guy Sam who Beckett. killed the guy. Okay, Schumacher's kid. practically nonlinear anyways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're sh- we're Schumachering we're this, this podcast. Baldwin, yeah, we he. Uh, I don't even. Re- how does Baldwin's thing resolve? I was it, thinking about okay, that on the way over here. I could yeah, not it does resolve, but it's the stupidest fucking so thing. So he cheats on his. He fiance. cheats on his fiance. His fiance, Hope Davis, comes, sees the like, fa- like comes to surprise him. Goes into his room, sees all of his tapes, and goes, "You know what? I'm not fucking marrying you. Peace." Yeah. And then she fucks off, and he's like, "Oh, she doesn't want to marry me because I don't because I'm not respectful of women. I respect women now." And then that's it. Oh, that's it. Like it's so a, offensive. A, a lifetime of, of exploiting uh, exploiting women, and then having like. Like he was asking to get caught. All of his videos are labeled with the name of the woman he was fucking. <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and even that the engagement I... video in the center of them. That was my favorite part, actually. <laughs> just just like a find the engagement video. He's like, oh, it's between Crystal and Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like it's 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 the it's the most 
kind of like tidy uh, Hollywood way to kind of get rid of a character that you didn't really need anymore. They just needed more people mm-hmm. to fucking have something. And, and again, Schumacher wanted something sexual yeah. in there. It so. would have been more powerful if, uh, if Kiefer had gone crazy and killed them both. It, I think he should have killed Baldwin. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that would have been great. He should have killed Baldwin and Platt in the graveyard. That's when Julie yeah. Roberts and Kevin Bacon were sleeping together, there was a scene where it was just Platt and Baldwin with Kiefer. Yeah, we're like, okay, this and is leading them somewhere. Yeah, he's leading them somewhere. He's going to take them in the woods. He's going to perform some ritual on them. And I was waiting for yeah, the but he just takes them to the yeah, cemetery, which would have been a great place for him to reveal that they killed the kid. Big reveal. Everybody gets it. Yeah. And then he kills them there at the grave. Well, and there's a there's such a narrow line between somebody who becomes a surgeon and somebody who is inherently a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. that's because they line. both like cutting people <laughs> open. Yeah. Right. So like these are all people in med school. Which sidebar, you don't really see them in med school a whole lot. Oh, they're med no, not at all. Usually buried with. School. All they do is occupy big, drippy gothic yeah. buildings. Gothic looking churches. The only, there's the scene with. Um, <laughs> Uh, where she uh, is like doing some test or whatever, and they're like opening somebody up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got they're at their cadavers. Oh, which is a, which is just some sloppy dialogue. She's like she can't handle it, and she's like working on her cadaver, and then the arm she sees the arm, and it's got the same tattoo, tattoo as her dad. dad, and so she's like seeing her dad everywhere. She's like I can't handle it, and she runs out, and um, like Oliver Platt and Kevin Bacon go to run after her. And the teacher's like, uh, hey, where are you going? If you leave here, there will be consequences. Yeah. It's like, that is implied. I think everybody understands that. And there's so much like chivalry and misogyny and ownership over Julie Roberts. Like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. Like, we're the men. We know better. Like, but the, We don't want to put you at risk. You're too beautiful for this. It's the like, weird thing is, they <laughs> like this movie seems to think that that's empowerment in some way. Like, I, I got the real feeling that that they were trying to make a, a solid stance that that she's the the... The woman of the group, and she's got this power over all of the men, but her power is helplessness. It's Precisely. It's really messed up. Yeah. Oh, 1990. Yeah. yeah. Like, to go back to Kiefer Sutherland, like, he's the first one to go under, and he's the first one to experience, like, they've brought something back, because I kind of want to talk about the bringing back thing. So, everybody brings something back. Uh, we've talked about all the things that haunt them. And the idea that, like, okay, they go under and, like, their sins haunt them is such a cool idea. But Kiefer Sutherland's bullet kid that he bullied to death is just this, like, slasher kid yeah. that's going to come and, like, beat him up the whole movie. Yeah. And it's just, like, if you're going to pick one thing for your movie in the 90s that you, like, are going to do, don't do the kid killer. It's going to date them. Like, it's the, like, so goofy. And yeah. He's, like, spitting in his face and stuff. Yeah, that was it's like, why don't you have something actually, like, scary like haunting him that's not like like obviously but i think in 1990 that was a scary thing like i think the concept of there being a child who is dangerous well the kid pulls it off as best as he can as best as a real mean mad face i think yeah the kid kid might have been even creepier though if they hadn't done it as a physical menace i agree more of a metaphysical menace so the kid was there but he had like psychic powers or something because he was like demonic and yeah or even if the just just the suggestion that he is following (laughs) kiefer and kiefer does all of this shit to himself if he just if just the suggestion of the kid being there yeah. causes Kiefer oh, to fuck himself up 
there's something yeah. there's if something watching, so much more in that than a kid with a kids staring at him like yeah. using psychic powers right. on him like that'd, yeah. be, that'd be creepy or even or just a suggestion that his that his well, presence like, or if is. it's like don't look now it's this kid in a red hoodie like kind of in the mist you know and he's looking at them and they're locking eyes but you can't see the kid's eyes and then he starts doing something and you're like what's that fucking kid is he doing it well, yeah. I'm interested <laughs> exactly right <laughs> the bus goes by across yeah, the street and then he's not there anymore like fucking and I think and I think they tried to uh in a really kind of half-assed way, when he's in the um, in the van, when uh, Kevin Bacon is absolving yeah. himself of his, when he's in the van and he's fighting the kid there, and then Kevin Bacon's there, and then the kid's not there, I think they, in a really half-assed way, tried to attempt that, mm-hmm. but too little, too late. I was hoping he was the kid's already Kevin Bacon. Uh, yeah, you were hoping the kid was going to... No, st- I was hoping, hoping that the Kiefer was going to gonna... stab Kevin Bacon because he thought he was the kid. See, that w- again, yeah. that would have been interesting. <laughs> and this movie tried to steer clear of that. Uh, like, all of this aside, this is a fucking goofy, shabby, shaggy dog movie. But great for looking. Schumacher, I really... Yeah, I like. I really it's, enjoyed yeah. the, the basic colors. I enjoyed it looks this movie's like a, very blue all the so time. Good. Until it's very red. It's so watchable for a large portion of it it's just too long it and extremely drags. obvious it's too obvious and then the the way the movie ends like i watched this movie last night i can't even really remember like okay Kiefer sutherland decides he's gonna kill himself and then there's a hilarious moment where like but if he goes under when we're not there that's suicide and you're like yeah <laughs> yeah that's what he wants to do like, yeah it's about his choice yeah and then i don't remember which is their... what he should he should have fulfilled that prophecy he should he should have just died yeah. the fact that they brought him back is such a 90s what, cop what, what does he what does his character learn so Nothing. he is being attacked by this kid that he murdered and then he goes to kill himself because he's so 90s tortured <laughs> and then they save him eventually after a whole kind of rigmarole of like are we going to be able to save him or not oh yeah everything up, goes wrong like he says something doesn't he oh, like, he says oh. today wasn't a good day to die like yeah the chief, the chief dan george line yeah but and then, then uh, the only thing he experiences when he's under the last time is it's it's him that's up in the tree and he's like oh i put myself yeah. in the shoes of the kid that i contributed to killing yeah, did and he not realize that like before that time moment? For it. Like he yeah. legally absolved of all these yeah. things, yet it's still haunting him. Like again, it's the whole Christianity thing. Like, no, you need real redemption. By so put, we, but but like, <laughs> how, how was that that not something that if unless he's a complete sociopath, how is that not something that he eventually came did you, to did on you his not own? See that, phone booth, the uh, what I'm thinking might be pseudo sequel to this. Oh also yeah, directed you by know, Joel another Schumacher yeah. film. I am right. a, he, he <laughs> is a psychopath. So right. I'm a phone booth apologist. That's what happened. <laughs> I really like phone booth. I think that's a fantastic. Uh, I will also give him phone. It's booth. a good thriller. Yeah. And like the number twenty three for the first seventy five percent of it, <laughs> until it becomes like a twist thing. I, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't bother seeing that because I don't, uh, I, I don't want to watch both Schumacher and Jim Carrey try that hard. Okay, so I'm just reading the Wikipedia ending because I wanted to refresh my mind. So he, Kiefer Sutherland, goes into his dream for the, his death dream for the last time. Uh, he's in the tree. He gets hit with the rocks. He falls out. And then he looks up to see Billy Mahoney standing over him, smiling before slowly walking away into a bright light, having made peace. So the only reason that Kiefer Sutherland learned anything is that he took the kid's place that he murdered. Mm -hmm. In his mind when he was dead. So the the kid that he (laughs) murdered saw Kiefer Sutherland get murdered in his afterlife, and that was enough for the dead kid. 
just to be like, well, I guess you walked a mile in my flatline well, shoes or something. Y- yeah, that's like that's the thing. It's like it's it suddenly it's occurs to uh, it suddenly occurs to Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, it was it's bad to fuck with. Yeah, people. yeah. If I was in a tree and people were throwing <laughs> the, rocks at me, I wouldn't bad. like it. I would have died too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh now I get why that kid's so pissed at thank me. You God, I, I, thank you. I think really what we can take away from this is that I'm not a total sociopath the, anymore. The beings in the afterlife in in the flatliners universe are just really like, don't have high standards when it comes to like, at all. redemption arcs or just give me something yeah. or like just how they get the person that killed them mm. to deal with their death yeah I think they should want more out of it because yeah. he, he ascends into the light so it was enough for him just to see this he guy he ran away fall. from the light the well, no, light Kiefer, Kiefer ran away from the light yeah but the, but the kid the, the bullied kid mm-hmm goes into the light so he was like yeah was the little boy was the kid in so purgatory so it's almost like it's the kid's arc the kid the kid <laughs> is upset the whole movie and then yeah. he finally gets what he needs which is to see Kiefer Sutherland in pain right and I then he's like peace I'm out saw you fall out of a tree you suck <laughs> I just wanted to see you get hurt <laughs> now maybe, I'm going to have maybe it. we're reading too much into this like if it's like a no. purgatory thing and the kid couldn't ascend <laughs> couldn't from purgatory leave? into heaven until Kiefer came to terms with the fact that he killed him yeah <laughs> again more interesting than <laughs> we're not reading too much into it we're trying to give it an, an assemblance we're, of credibility we're trying to justify the fact that Joel Schumacher spent millions of dollars to make this movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I just I want Joel Schumacher to listen to this just so next time somebody asks him about flatliners he can go yo yeah that's what I meant <laughs> listen to these guys they get what you're I welcome, meant you're welcome Joel you're welcome <laughs> This yeah. movie did really well, and it actually... Oh, it was huge. It was it Academy did, Award nomination for sound editing or sound design or yeah. something. Sound I could see that. that um, it did really well in the opening, opening weekend, opening uh, first place in the box office, and uh, 64% of those who attended Flatliners on the opening weekend were younger than 25. Mm. And they all Not gave the... they gave That portion of the audience gave the film an A when they walked out. Well, yeah. I mean, this was like it, this it, like it was a collection of the hottest actors yeah. at the time. Like, oh, totally. Like, That's bacon. And yeah, yeah. But you got Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland. You got uh, Julia Roberts, who Post everybody was woman. absolutely in love with. Yeah. I don't think anybody knew who Oliver Platt was at the time. Baldwin um, was just under name. But there, yeah, yeah, there was a Baldwin, so that was good enough. Uh, oh, my big problem was the use of Oliver Platt in this movie, though, I think. Probably my biggest Oh, he was problem. like the and deep in, one that kind of had insights since like, then. In the years since then, he's become a you phenomenal actor. Yeah, oh, my God. If anybody's seen use. the television series for Fargo that came out recently, he's fantastic. Yeah, he is. And and he, w- he was amazing. There's a show called Huff that oh, few Huff people saw, too. which is a real shame because I think it got like two seasons or something, and it was a fucking brilliant show. Amazing cast. Fucking Blythe Danner, uh, Padgett Brewster, uh, Hank Azaria showing people, hey, everybody, look, I can act, too. I don't actually just <laughs> voice all the characters on the Simpsons. Yeah. Play straight or half. Yeah. Movies. Um, but, uh, but feel, oh yeah, Oliver like Platt in this, all he is is like, I mean, clear, like a movie could have a, a character who is just comic relief. Yeah. Which is basically all he is here. Was he but comic he, relief? I didn't find he, anything he said kind funny. Of. He, uh, was, he was kind of like but the he was quippy character. So yeah. Like he was the comic relief, but he was also the deep one that he was had the insight to things. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was the guy who wanted to videotape, uh, or he, he wanted to, uh, to to tape everything, but mostly his own voice saying, you know, blustery, uh, uh, poetic things. Mm. Um, and and he, he, he served 
zero. Yeah, uh, uh, I, like, I like, like him and I like his character, but I just want there to be a point to it. Yeah, yeah it there was, been, it there's no point to it if, at all. If he'd been killed in the graveyard, mm-hmm. or if he had been forcibly made to undergo the see, plot. I like yeah. that idea. Yeah, I would like to have seen that happen. Yeah, he was, like, the, mo- he was if, the most reluctant if, of all. If Kiefer gradually got darker and darker yeah. throughout the course of the movie, and he was just like, "You haven't joined the club yet, yeah, yeah, join us." Yeah, because and that was his thing that he was like, "I'm not doing this thing." Yeah, if when they go to the the graveyard. Um, Kiefer Sutherland had like knocked out um, Oliver Platt and somehow like forced Kevin Bacon to like help him strap him down and like make him go under and like the because Kevin Bacon's like the best at bringing people back or whatever right right so it's like if that kind of situation happened that would have been interesting and yeah. then, like, if Kiefer was like tell I need to know what happens to you after you flatline like he's so crazy he just needs to know what's your experience yeah what like yeah yeah That'd right cool. so he he needs to sort of relive that experience through yeah. other people and yeah. then baldwin who's so used to filming everything he's filming it while it's happening and then they're making snuff films right yeah. and then there there's creates go. the sequel where it's all about they they hunt people down they tie them up and they they murder them and bring them back so that See, they can create snuff films of their deaths yeah and then they this is starting to sound to me less Flatliners, like a eight millimeter it's it's starting to sound to me less like a like a remake of a movie and more like a much like fargo was or a remaking a movie as a tv show so maybe we yeah. need to talk to netflix or amc yeah, or yeah, yeah i think we do talk about getting 10 episodes worth of time that we can make a flat copyright 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 we've got a record of this conversation like, now so we'll know yeah, that it, it sounds like eight millimeters meets um strange days because strange day has that like you experience somebody else's like yeah, moment right. before they die if right. it was like that um yeah yeah all right well i didn't like uh strange days but uh <laughs> sorry it, the moment I'm, I'm sorry i just went off on this weird tangent in my head when you said the moment before they die and i'm picturing that really terrible sequence in wild wild west where kevin klein is showing that they can take the image that the eye sees yeah. at the moment of death and they can replicate it yeah that well look like if you were watching thing. flatliners and what was going through your head was wild wild west it only just came up with wild when yeah. west. comment wild, yeah. wild west <laughs> Well, what do you think? Did, did we uh, did we do it? I think we did. I think we flat. Yeah, I think I think this movie is all part of the flatline crew now. Yeah, it was a it was a scatter shot affair, but so is this movie. It's all yeah. over the place. But yeah, I feel like great. our conversation was a lot more linear than than the movie yeah. was. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, um, the the one sequence when Kiefer's sitting in the back of the truck by himself. And he has that f- weird first experience yeah. where all those like demonic graffiti paintings on and the that walls. That really busy mm-hmm. alley. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Very. It really, like really reminded me of the <laughs> alley fight scenes in the Batman movies that he did. With, yeah, with like the neon very, punk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I was just like, this is where he got that idea. Yeah, yeah. this right. is totally where he got that idea. He did it in Flatliners first. He yeah. loves and, a filthy neon alleyway. I and guess. He loves, yeah. And he loves lighting it and and having those lighting shifts, like just the cinematography just the lighting even just the set design art design in this movie it's all fucking fantastic it's, it's really the cool the movie was what it needed to be not what yeah it was. I, I wish there was a movie going on amidst that yeah but totally. uh, there's but a good movie in there somewhere in there somewhere yeah. there certainly was and, and, and again even barring all of the actual you know uh, medical uh, fiction, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, fiction, uh, which like apparently extreme you can do fiction with, with nitrous to get you high, <laughs> sodium pentothal, which is 
truth serum. Yeah. And is that what they were using? That's sodium what they were using. pentothal. So, I, think, I think that's what it was. Sodium pentothal. <laughs> and I mean, I watched it. I think we watched this. And like then just three o'clock in the morning. And so then just a very cold blanket. But I'm pretty sure yeah. it was sodium pentothal. And I was like, that's truth serum. What yeah. are they doing? This is not going to kill you. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, pretty good Schumacher. And again, I do have to say, for for as dumb and as terrible as this was. At moments, I had a really good time watching it. And gorgeous. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice looking. I will give them that. That that DOP earned his pay and his mountain of cocaine. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which he took full advantage of, I'm sure. <laughs> Allegedly. Off of Joel's Schumacher. <laughs> Off of his... Schumacher. <laughs> oh, all right. Wait, is that a euphemism? <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. You're so... quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's. Uh, so I think we did that uh, sufficiently. Yeah. Uh, say we move on to uh, well, to an album. What did we learn? From oh, Flatliners? what did we learn? Yes, I learned that the coolest thing ever is leaving your window by repelling out of it. Because in the moment that he did that, <laughs> for a split second, I was like a 1990 teenager. I was like, that is awesome. I want to do it. And then I was like, wait. I'm almost 30. Why do I want to do that? <laughs> I do have a balcony. I, I would could still set do it. Yeah. Up. I was yeah. like, that looks sweet. If I had that in college, awesome. And then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. That's just the, the like 90s like teenager talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what I learned was that uh, Kiefer Sutherland is not the actor that, uh, that I used to think he is. Okay. Maybe in uh, Stand By Me. He's pretty good in Stand By Me. Otherwise. Lost Boys? Everybody loves Lost Boys. I don't a get it. Time to Kill. Is Lost Boys is a lot like fucking uh, Flatliners. Flatliners. It's like yeah. just a crazy, he's, he's crazy the style. It's them fun in. to yeah. watch, but yeah. yeah. Once again, it's that's what Schumacher does. Yeah. Uh, it, you guys, what, was, what did you guys learn? What from did us? I learn? Well, I learned that Kiefer doesn't necessarily diffuse bombs in everything that he does. <laughs> um... And uh, sometimes he just stars in them. Good night, folks. And, and Kevin Bacon's mullet is a fantastic uh, co-star. <laughs> it's a better actor than he is. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think if anything, I just sort of I, I gained a new appreciation for falling down. In that, out of this mess of Flatliners, Schumacher was still able to make Falling Down a little while after, and I still I, I really hold that film in high regard. Um, and as far as the actors involved, I mean. Like bacon's not all right, and <laughs> you know, arguably, and you know, Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts. I know I had a, a professor in university who absolutely hated her, um, so we talked about her a lot. But um, generally speaking, I mean, Flatliners was it was an okay watch. I yeah. I, you know, I don't know how you hate Julia Roberts. I mean, she's fine. Yeah, she's. Been, I don't hate, don't her. hate her. I don't. Yeah, hate her. but I had a professor that just loathed her. Right. So I don't understand. But like, I mean, like I find at at her absolute worst, she's just kind of innocuous. She's still better than a lot of other actors at yeah. her worst. Right. So Relatively, I think it's a lot of hate by exposure, just because she was so out there. She so was. She was the, like Julia Roberts produces this movie starring Julia Roberts. You know, yeah, like yeah. the Julia Roberts story, or like <laughs> all of their movies were like, and every poster was just I her saw face that. looking wistfully. Eric, we want yeah. more Eric instead. <laughs> yeah, Eric Roberts, please. Arguably, Eric Roberts has had more compelling roles than Julia Roberts I ever does. I do really does. like Eric Roberts. He can be great. Did you ever see Star 80? That's a great movie, and he's actually genuinely you mean great. Star AD, it. the Faith No More song? Uh, yeah, yeah, Star AD. That's, well, that, I've <laughs> always wondered. <laughs> I've always wondered if Star AD, that song, had anything to do with that movie. Star 80. Yeah, you know. It's a great movie. Bob Fosse, you should check it out. Mm. 
Very nice. That was a Fosse movie. It was, yeah. I'm gonna have to look into that. Bob yeah, Fosse. yeah. It's pretty great. He's he's an interesting director. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not very Fosse esque. It, it's it's there's really, no grandiose song and dance numbers. There, no? <laughs> there's not even one jazz hand. <laughs> That's but, disappointing. Uh, after all that jazz, <laughs> that is very disappointing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's actually uh, uh, as I remember it, I haven't seen. It. It's actually one of those movies. Star eighty is one of those movies that uh, I, I saw when I was very young because it was one it's of a weird the one to see when you're young. Uh, well, yeah, because it was a Channel fifty seven <laughs> movie. It was a city TV movie yeah, after dark, and yeah. there was it's about a Playboy uh, model, Blue. and there was like a, a um, was it Mar- I can never remember if it was Mariel Hemingway or the other one. Anyway, it was a Hemingway naked, and so like I was like I'm in for this, this and then is I like watched it later. Max, you're like yes. It, well, well, I mean, I grew up in a place where we didn't have anything like Cinemax or anything, so those are the only boobs that I could possibly see. So I was like, thank you, City TV. And then years later, I watched Star 80 again, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is a legitimate movie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, Star 80. We're here to talk about, about Neil Young. Fuck yeah. Uh, Neil Young, I don't think we mentioned this off the top. No. I'm but new it's at in this. the title of the podcast, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People know what's up. Uh, Neil Young's 1990 effort... Ragged Glory. Yeah. yeah. And Crazy Horse. Yes, that yes. important distinction. Crazy Horse is there. You can tell by the guitar. Um, <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. That is true. Uh, so, yeah, this... everybody's history. I mean, Rob, I realize you have a, a, an extensive history with Neil Young. I could write a very long biography about Neil Young, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> I'll try not to dominate uh, He, he may discussion. eventually do so. Yeah. <laughs> so. I probably will. Maybe yeah. that'll be my next venture. I would start, Dan, with you. What's uh, what's your uh, knowledge my, of Neil? My Neil Young history? Your, your Neilage, if you will. <laughs> your your Neilage? Is that, is that like an offshoot of it's, like, it's, it's his knowledge of Neil. It's, yeah. it's lineage, Neelage. but it's Neilage. Neilage. Yeah. I like that. Very good. It's a dyslexic oh, lineage. Good. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I... I love Neil Young, but he's somebody that I still haven't gotten around to, like a lot of people that we talk about on the show, like Tom Waits and stuff. Like, I know albums, but I haven't dove into all of them. Yeah, I, your I, version your version of not knowing... Um, is like, I know two or three, is no, I like them. Is knowing more than most people yeah. know. But, but I find I get, I hit a wall with a lot of artists like that. So my history with Neil Young is... I think I was told to listen to Harvest at some point when I was in college and I listened to it and I was like, I don't really like this. It's kind of snoozy. And then I found myself talking to Matt Bain of the Schomburg <laughs> Fair and right. pre, pre, past and, and future guest of our show about Neil Young at a, at Rancho Relaxo here in Toronto and had just a wonderful conversation about mm-hmm. it. And I remember him saying like, you need to check out after the gold rush. Oh, man. Uh, so I checked it out. Everybody after the gold needs to check out after and the gold rush. And I checked that one out, and I was like, "This is my jam. I love yeah. this." And I went from there to Zuma because I knew um, Cortez the Killer because I'm a diehard Built to Spill fan, and they do an incredible live cover. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, so I was like, "Oh, I'll go to that next," and then heard that kind of sound. And so those two albums are my like go tos. And I've kind of cherry-picked ones here and there, but this is the first time I've ever heard this album. Although I've had heard the two or three more popular songs off it on classic rock radio. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's that's how I've come to here today. All right. Listening uh, to Ragged Glory. Uh, Ryan, what's, uh, what's your... your uh Neilage. My father uh, was a folk musician back in Is the that 70s. Right? Yeah, so he, well, 60s <coughs> and 70s. So he, he toured a little bit. Um, I think his biggest gig, he played something at, uh, at Ontario Place. Um, Sweet. Might have been, been affiliated with the X somehow back in the 70s. Um, not bad. I'm not entirely clear on it, but um, I sort of grew up on all like the solo artists of the 60s 
that spun off of their big bands. Um, so like in the 70s when they were all solo, so Peter Cetera, Peter Gabriel, Phil mm-hmm. Collins, Paul McCartney and Wings. What, uh, when did Peter Cetera go solo? From Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I, like I, what? Maybe was early, it? It was like late early, 70s? Early mid 70s, I think. I think oh, it was wow. mid, I want to say mid 70s. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and like Steve Winwood and everything. So sure. like one of the big ones yeah. was Neil Young. And so I grew up on a lot of like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a big fan of that. And so Neil Young's never somebody I've extensively learned about his solo career. Right. Um, but I know all the big stuff. Um, Everybody at least has a cursory knowledge of, of what Neil Young has yeah, done. And, 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 his, and like. his catalog is is extensive. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost daunting and to look at the list. so diverse. Yes. And so oh, it's, it's interesting when Dan mentions, you know, like... Harvest was kind of a snooze fest. It's yeah. because that was the one album that was kind of quieter and yeah. slower. And so, like when I think about Neil Young, like the albums I kind of know are after the Gold Rush and Harvest, yeah. right? Um, and when it came to to this one, um, I mean, I know kind of like the big couple off of it, like like fucking up. Um, yeah, be based on the Pearl Jam cover of it. That's yeah, right. Where I knew it from originally. Well, this and, was oh, and our cover. cover of it last, and, and last yes, summer. And, yeah, yes, and you guys also do one. Um, but Mansion on the Hill was always one that I knew. And yeah, right. Um, I, I don't even know if I caught it on the radio or something. If somebody played, like I, I know I used to listen to the radio on Sunday nights because they used to do these big feature things up in Timmins, where I'm from originally. Right. And um, I feel like this must have come up at one point, and I heard the song, and I wrote it down, and I downloaded it off Napster because uh, something back <laughs> in the early two thousands. Morpheus. And like one of those things, like yeah, Bazaar. And let's just say it was LimeWire. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> um, and yeah, like like I always loved, I always loved when Neil got to go off on an interesting rocky tangent. I never got into his really like slower jams or when he yeah, got repetitive, man. but See, when now, he got into a jam, when he got oh, into yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm riffy thing, that's when I dug Neil. I'm I'm the exact opposite uh, of that. I when I hear Neil alongside an electric guitar, uh I I shot off. Except with the exception of the Arguably, for my money, the best thing he ever did, which was the soundtrack to uh, Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man, yeah. which is one of the oh, most yeah. beautiful pieces of music ever. And side uh, note, also an influence 11, on 1111. Oh, is that right? Yes, yeah, it is. Totally. Oh, nice. Soundtrack um, and visual. Uh, but I, um, I uh, w- was learning guitar, and I got, I can't remember why I got uh, his Unplugged. Do you remember when they did Unplugged mm-hmm. on like mm-hmm. H1 or whatever? I got his Unplugged. I got the album and the uh, guitar book, which is very cool. simple, obviously, because Neil is a big fan of simple chording. Uh, so I learned that thing back to front, and for some reason, I could sing, not like Neil Young, but I could bring it down a little bit and and so ev- so that everything was sort of in my range at the time or either that or I stretched my range to to uh, <laughs> He's to got a high retrofit. Register. He does. He's up he there. does. Yeah. I love uh, with Neil. So yeah, it's just all it's all his just Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Is Neil <laughs> <Thank> here? <you. laughs> uh so yeah, it was it was anything I could learn and just play on a, on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. That uh that that drew me to him. Plus his his sort of junky um a non-precise way of playing guitar I do, always I do spoke to me. About yeah. it. It's kind of what draws me to him. Yeah, that, yeah, that for sure. It's not sloppy in, in what I would call sloppy, but it's no, it's, it's just imprecise. Deliberately, deliberately yeah. imprecise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He's one of the few uh, people that makes an electric guitar sound like it's like the inner soul of a human being yeah. screaming. It's uh, you know, like it's so ch- he channels the instrument in he, such a way that's that. Well, that he no just wrenches can. on the fucking thing, yeah. and yeah. it's and it is compelling. I'm not saying it's not compelling. It's just I I don't like his his 
his extended jams necessarily. But anyway, that's my that's sort of my when, when uh, you got like into him. So did when you heard like Harvest and stuff mm-hmm. was that early on in your career? Because I just thinking like yeah. the reason I thought Harvest was snoozy and I, it's still not one of my favorites, but I do feel like it had like people would talk about it like they recorded it in this barn and like it had this cool like story to it and then yeah. I listened to it and I was like just not ready for that kind of album mm-hmm. and then I was already listening to the people that like he influenced like uh, Dinosaur Jr. and, and right. Doug Marsh from Build Spill so I was like when I finally got back to the stuff that was rock then I was like oh I can connect with this this is so my jam right but the thing about After the Gold Rush is just like for me that album had like the songs and the balance of of his sounds it like harvest was kind of just all flatlined see uh totally. that for me flat good good connection there. that for me actually after the gold rush and rust never sleeps which is probably yeah. one of my favorites so good the thing i like about that one is that it's got the first side is neil solo acoustic so yeah. it highlights his songwriting stuff yeah and the second half is he and crazy horse is way totally right and i think that's the most quintessential and the and the occasional done. crossover of that because isn't yeah. it uh, hey hey my my and then my my hey hey yeah, those the and I did, I did always love how he did that. Yeah, 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 me too. And and that was actually one of the ones that I that I was was kind of into uh, uh, the the electric version. But I was always dead on into the the acoustic version yeah. uh, more so because uh, because again th- I think for me uh, growing up in a, a really small town there wasn't enough people to get a band together so I spent like the first right. ten years of playing guitar just playing an acoustic guitar yeah, by myself yeah. so anything that I could conceivably get just, away with yeah. just playing yeah. me uh, and, and again that way I got all the glory it yeah. was just it was all <laughs> everything was about me so if you've learned anything from this podcast yeah casey has has a fragile ego i am a horrible As most people who sing do horrible narcissist you don't sing unless you are seriously lacking in issues of attention probably from your parents at some point in your life oh absolutely not to reveal too much about myself but i i had a lot of fun look last. we're all gonna cry at some point <laughs> yeah. during this podcast but yeah rob now you it. are you are, well, are, are arguably the uh the the neil young aficionado here well, uh, thank you. Uh, I mean, I thank my friend Mark Ingram for that, who turned me into on to Neil when I was very, very young. But the thing that I love about Ragged Glory is that everyone looks at Neil Young's 70s and they're like, yeah, that's when he did his best stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think Neil Young's 90s were awesome, especially, I think that's when he peaked with Crazy Horse. That's when they put out their best stuff. Right. They put out Ragged Glory, they did Sleeps with Angels, which is dark as fuck. That's a better songs. album than I initially thought it's it was. It's slow and brooding and all these Kurt Cobain things and like it's and then yeah. they did Broken Arrow, they put out the Weld and Arc Live albums, they put out Year of the Horse, like they were on fire in that decade yeah. and um, the thing is like the 70s happened and then Neil went on to um, Geffen Records, who you know, famously sued him for putting out albums that were not characteristically Neil Young. Yeah. Right. So then Neil did the ultimate punk rock thing ever and sa- whipped it out and said, "Fuck you, David Geffen." Put out a German kraut rock album yeah. called Trans. Yeah, put which... out a rockabilly record. Put out a country album. Was that the le- the le- is that legendary Pink Dots or whatever? Yeah, it is? Neil Young and the Shocking Pinks. Shocking Pinks. Rocking. That's what it is. And yeah. he he did all these records for the entire time on Geffen. And it's it's the, the albums so badass. Great. The albums aren't great, but the spirit behind why he did them. <laughs> the idea of them like, is great. Yeah, and then his first album back trans is really hard to listen to transformer man transformer man as an acoustic song again is fucking great Mm, totally super great but then he comes back to to reprise reprise whatever you want to call it records again and his first album back with them is with Crazy Horse and it's Ragged Glory and it was like we've arrived and I think it's like the quintessential but it's, young Crazy Horse. It's records. still a pretty classic Rocky album. Oh, yeah, totally. like it's yeah. it's it really does. It's a real return to form. Mm. Uh, the production on it is 
fantastic. Oh, oh it sounds totally. great. David Briggs, so, right? Oh, yeah. yeah right, and sure. then the, the tour, because at the time, I don't know if you know this, but when they did the tour for this record, it was Neil Young and Crazy Horse headlining, and the opening bands were Social Distortion and Sonic Youth. Oh, Jesus. And then Neil Young I remember was so the inspired Sonic by thing. Sonic Youth that he went and actually put out a companion album to Weld, which is called Ark, and it was just basically him uh, uh, taking feedback loops because he wanted to be like Sonic Youth at yeah. this point. <laughs> it's kind of awesome when you can say you influenced Neil Young. Yeah. And it's just this one 35-minute track of, of just feedback and noise. Yeah. And and I'm not a fan of jammy kind of music, but there's something about Neil Young and Crazy Horse playing that just really does it for me. And the last time I saw them in concert, they played fucking up. And the cool thing about it is that they only they don't they do this live. They don't do it in the studio versions where where they start yelling at people at the audience. They're going, you're just a fuck up. You're just a fuck up. <laughs> and like when we covered it um, last summer for this CanCon tribute show, I got to do that, too. And I think yeah. I, I think I yelled at you're just a fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, Brennan, I, I think you pointed at me. I, I, I did that. one at you. I did one. At, I did one at Brennan Galt. And I did one at my friend Mark. And uh, threw those around. And then they're all ganging up on the mics, and they're like, you're all fuck-ups! You're all fuck-ups! And we're sitting there in the audience just going like, wow, I just completely lost all my self-esteem. But anything you say, Neil, like I, I will do it. So I just really admired um, Neil's journey through the 80s and what this album represented and how mm-hmm. it really took off a really awesome decade for him. And uh, um, in terms of like the songwriting is still there, the vocal harmonies are just so lush and these jams. It's just... Uh, I, I was glad I got to dust off this album again because it was always one of my favorites. So it was, yeah. it was really cool to hear it. Like, there's not a dull moment on, on this record. It's um, an interesting arrangement because there are some really tight tracks on the album that are like the ones I tend to lean towards are the, the shorter songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you've got these like. Ten, like eight to ten minute songs. Love and on Only here, Love, like, which they often. Love and Only Love is amazing. Oh. Um, and it's funny in re-listening to it earlier today when I was when I was at the office is it to me it shouted hey like Road Apples and Fully Completely were totally influenced by that song yeah uh, yeah I can and hear I, that. I can see oh, the yeah. Tragically Hip just eating this album up in 1990 and going hey we gotta do something like this yeah <laughs> yeah I feel like I come to this album with the influences that like I loved when I was younger and I'm able I I love. The jammy stuff, uh, nothing on this album. Uh, like for me, Cortez the Killer is just so fucking good. But like, yeah, the 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 long songs on this, like you get those guitar lines and you get that like amazing distortion tone on the production where you're just like, this yeah. is so good. And it, it just, bothers me how good that tone it's is. So good. The production's fantastic. And yeah, yeah, it's just like all I can think of when I'm listening to it is just like, oh, this is why I love Dinosaur Junior. This is yeah. why I love Jay Mascus. Like. Yeah. Because he was into this is why I got so much great music when I was in college. But now I can like go back to this and be like, this is so fucking good. Like it's just, it's like I I find this album. I do like I I say this so much on the fucking podcast. I, I did listen to it like in chunks. Like I'll just pick. A fuck up. It's because I'm a fuck up. <laughs> so I'm such a fuck up. No, I did like I did find myself kind of picking like I'm gonna go listen to that ten minute track right now because it's what I feel like. I did kind of find myself picking the things I wanted to, not listening to it as like a whole suite of songs but right. even if you do listen to it like that it does work yeah yeah. it's a pretty cohesive record like it's got a very that's why I like this one is like if someone wants to know what's Neil Young and Crazy Horse I say Ragged Glory because is that right? Russ Never Sleeps has got like the Neil Young solo and the Crazy Horse mm-hmm. same thing with After the Gold Rush Sleeps with Angels is just very dark and slow and very different it's one it's probably my, my top three favorites but I think the one that really captures 
Neil and Crazy Horse at their best is is this one. So it, it always holds a, a really special special place for me for that. For Sleeps sure. with Angels. Um, yeah. I think we can all agree. So dark. Uh, but the 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 one big misstep is that uh, piece of crap song. No, that's not a misstep. I man. think that we song can is fucking awesome. I hate that song. <laughs> that actually made me kind of turn off really? uh, uh, from from Neil because I was like, oh it's god, hilarious. this just feels like an old man who's who's lost a step. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> that was his Gran Torino. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is funny, though, because he made a comment about the video for Piece of Crap, which Paint's video for Gastown was based on it, where it's basically me passing back and forth through a, a window at a patio smoking a cigarette. Mm. And the video for Piece of Crap was Neil doing that. And then Neil's like, yeah, he's like, I, I remember they, uh, all these younger bands protest. You know, they got all pissed off because they did all these artsy videos. And they're like, you can put these on your on your station, but then you got this piece of crap and you can put that up there and uh, there's something about them yelling piece of crap uh, it's just fucking hilarious that's so sam like that's poncho san pedro like doing what he does best it, yelling about you're being a fuck up and piece of crap it's it's great it's uh, it, like i, I, get, is, I understand the, the spirit out. behind it it's it just song out on that record though for sure yeah yeah i mean <laughs> to me it just feels like uh uh like it's like an older man trying to do something edgy that just didn't quite come off. So it you're seems saying like old people aren't allowed to be edgy. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's what is I'm saying. Is there an age cutoff? Uh, I think yeah. I think there yeah. is. I think it's around forty to forty-five when you, you have past to start. That at this point, yeah, Sleeps with Angels. He was forty-nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why it was sad and upset. Glory, he was forty-five though. Right? Glory was forty-five. I'm not saying he yeah. can't they, like that. Old people can't make amazing music. I'm just saying if they're trying to be edgy. There's there's just a certain wisdom that no there, matter how old you are, you just gain something. Like like when you listen to a, we, and I've talked about this on the show before. When you listen to a Nine Inch Nails uh, record, any time past uh, for him the the age of forty, it's it's just like, ah, oh, buddy, you should be over the stuff by now. You're, you're one of those people spiral. that the slip <laughs> the slip was not a good thing for you, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like and and honestly, like you probably own too many cars to be this mad at your dad or whatever. I don't know. But uh, but but yeah, that's what that song feels like to me. But uh, but, but hey, Neil's, man, who Neil's the fuck the knows? only artist that's still around from that era who's not just like a comedy act of himself, and he, who still keeps putting out new records that always have a new concept, new idea. It's not his best stuff, but he's put out some great stuff recently, like Prairie Wind. He's still was exploring. Awesome. Yeah, Living yeah. with War was an awesome. Was a great. Lenoise was fucking fantastic. And and look, maybe maybe um, Daryl Hannah he keeps pushing that one too. But I, and uh, he's doing this Pono thing now. Whatever the hell that is. Oh, oh uh, yeah. That, see that for me. That's, that I don't know. That's my a, reaction that's to a, audio is that's crap. That's a strange uh, yeah, situation. My reaction to that is like Casey's reaction to piece of crap. It's like, <laughs> yeah. dude, you like I get it. Like Flack is cool and a Lossless is cool on my computer. But yeah, like, you don't even play the damn thing. Like, yeah. I just buy shit on vinyl. And also, I'm not everything. going to put that in my pocket. No. Yeah. No, it's no, like I'm you not. couldn't have made it more <laughs> it looks awkward. Like a Toblerone looking. chocolate. Yeah. yeah. yeah it does. It, look, it looks delicious. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I'd like to unwrap it, but I don't physically know how to do that. I would like to eat it. I'm not going to listen to it. And then if it malfunctions, you can take it back to the store. They'll give you four more, and the guy will tell you at the door, it's a piece of crap. Oh yeah, he's come. It's an art like installation piece. Yeah. Like it all comes around full circle. I thought you were about to say it was an arc, which is the title of the live album that spawned off of. Oh Glory. my goodness! See, and then the <laughs> arc flatlined. <laughs> oh, I think I feel like that's uh, that's as uh, uh, good a place as any to uh, to call it. Yeah. Uh, unless does anybody have any final thoughts? This is a great album. Um, yeah, it's really good, and uh, and I I don't know I don't know I feel like maybe I would. Just because I have a personal thing with with Zuma, if somebody was to ask me like, 
where should I go with Neil with Neil Young? I'd say, man, check out Zuma because it's so That's good. That's another mm-hmm. one of their best. Yeah, tunes. I really like that album. I think that and after the, the just probably because that's where I those were the two I started Gold Rush and Zuma I was like this yeah. is this really showed me what he did on both sides of the coin mm-hmm. but I wouldn't I would say like this would be up there I'd be like next steps you need Ragged Glory because yeah. it's like it's really solid mm-hmm. and it's a really good listen mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. alright well I think uh, we spent Thanks enough time in 1990 <laughs> starting to get gross and my uh, my flannel starting to stink so let's get in the time machine get the fuck out of here time machine Get in. All right, we're back. We all uh, we all had a very good time in 1990. I feel like everybody, yeah, everybody happy yeah, with, with, with what just happened. It was as though time's up. Uh, also came out in 1990. I, I, I caught a rerun of like an old Ninja Turtles cartoon. Does not hold up. <laughs> no, 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 no unfortunately, definitely not. it does not hold no. up. No, the best, movie, best to let sleeping movie turtles. Definitely the movie's pretty cool. Yeah. Only the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just to reiterate, you're drunk. Go, uh, you're drunk. go home. <laughs> this is this is generally where we do uh, uh, yeah. where we do our plug. So, just uh, to reiterate, eleven eleven. When uh, when are we uh, gonna expect that to come out? May 29th. May 29th. Oh, we're looking at a couple days from now. Yeah, May May, May 29th is the is the exclusive Toronto release party for eleven eleven on DVD. The worldwide release date when it'll be available is June second. Oh, that's really weird. Actually, this this episode actually comes out on the 29th. Yeah. So, oh. so if you're in Toronto, it's like what? we planned it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're in Toronto and you're listening to this in the morning, which obviously you listen to this as soon as it drops yeah. on your commute. Uh yeah. So uh so check it out. Yeah, yeah can, it's at the Great Hall. Uh yeah, check so it out we, at the Great we Hall. Need, we need it's bodies. A gr- it's it's, fill that it's space. a Great Hall. It's a Great Hall. Yeah. Where, where can uh, the listeners find you guys on the internet? www.paintband.com yeah. Thank you for including the W's. Mm. I appreciate yeah, it. You don't, need, you don't like need to do that now. The browsers <laughs> do it for you. Yeah. Um, I like doing that, though. It's <laughs> you can usually find me places at Pricemeister. It's pretty much the way it sounds. Um, and uh, my production company is called Stratosphere. It's not spelled the way it sounds. That's <laughs> S-T-R-A-T-A-S-F-E-A-R. Ah. Uh, if you punch that into Google, most of it will be me. <laughs> I all won't right. say all of it, but most of it will yeah. be the good. The good stuff. That's all you, baby. Yes, it is. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, pieces Rob- of crap. <laughs> <for me. laughs> all right, Rob Trahanis, Ryan Stevenson, Price. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank, thank you. you. We this really appreciate you guys. I, I'm really excited that we got to be in a time machine today. That's fun. Yeah. I know. I've been waiting a long time for this, and I'm I'm still lamenting the fact that Greg Legros was too much of a pussy to show up tonight. Well, because he couldn't have, you know, he, he couldn't bring the cackle twins to life. Well, because that's what he and I are. Yeah. But uh, no, no, he's not a pussy. He's one of my favorite humans on earth, and I love him very much. And it he just is gives a wonderful us a man to come back because you need to hear Greg and I together. Absolutely. I would like, I'd like to see this <laughs> dynamic. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I'd like to witness it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Dan, where can you find us on the internet? Uh, go to modernspeary.com. You can find us with alongside a ton of other podcasts, and you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash time bandits podcast or follow us on twitter at time bandits pod all right yeah well that is about it for us frank has just come out to say good night to everybody how you doing frankie all right and as usual baby that's a score baby
This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.